TYB On The Run with your host, Katie Halday. This is your daily Bible blast, the perfect fit for your busy life. Just one chapter, one revelation. This will change your life. Well, hi, TYB On The Run. Welcome to Revelation 4. We are just in the beginning of this incredible text and, uh, you know, we, we don't do a lot of podcasts on in one book, but we're going to do as many as we can in this one. We have gone through the revelation of Jesus. Again, the book begins and ends with the revelation of Christ. He is the one that you are supposed to focus on. His glory as he is the lamb throughout the text, as well as what we are about to read here in Revelation for the throne in heaven. This is a key pinnacle text and key pinnacle image that the author of Revelation and the person who revealed this to the author of Revelation, God and Jesus himself, wants you to focus on. No matter how bad it gets throughout the text, there is always action in heaven. And I'm going to show you that as we go through. But this is the beginning moment where we really, after the letters, we've done the the chapter 2 and 3 in the letters to the seven churches, we are then introduced to another key moment in the text, Revelation 4, the throne in heaven. After this, I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the centre round the throne were four living creatures and they were covered with eyes in the front and behind. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, um, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. Chapter 5, I'm just going to continue on, guys, the scroll and the lamb. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He's able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and elders. 
The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchase for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Okay, I'm going to have to stop there midway through chapter five. The reason that I kept going is whoever put these beautiful chapters in here didn't even put the chapters according to the story. (laughs) And it's kind of a little frustrating when you are doing chapter by chapter. And I just couldn't break the story because... This revelation, again, I keep saying this revelation because revelation is supposed to give you a fresh revelation of who your God is, a fresh revelation of who Jesus is. And I'm not just talking about Jesus as God. I'm talking about Father God, Yahweh. I'm talking about the Old Testament, Yahweh, the one that is seated on the throne. He reveal is revealed in the book of Revelation. And in chapter four, this is who we're meeting. He comes in the beginning. Um, do you remember when I went read in John 1 and it was it was this sound and he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God. Um, there's moments where, where the Father God speaks and it, you're unsure whether it's Jesus speaking or the Lord God speaking and you could, you could translate it either. But this moment here in Revelation 4 is... Father God seated on the throne. How do I know that? Because Father God and the Lamb are distinctive within these chapters. That's why I kept reading. When we see Jesus in the beginning and he's got the gorgeous white hair and the the eyes with blazing fire, that's Jesus. What we are seeing now in Revelation 4 is Yahweh, Father God, the one that they're not allowed to look upon in the Old Testament, the one that Moses got a sunburn from hanging out in his presence, the one that Moses said, can I see your face? And he said, no, you can see my back because if you see my face, you see my glory in its fullness, you will die. The one that they contained within a temple because he was too strong on a mountain, (laughs) Mount Sinai, the one that when he in his presence Mount Sinai rumbled and the the storm above Mount Sinai that they were terrified of his presence and they said, let's keep him in a box for the rest of the time and welcome to the tabernacle and the temple. We have this, this God and we know that our God is three in one, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. We have the Father here and it says this, after this I looked. Oh, don't you love, I'm going to say it again, this revelation didn't come from man. He was looking and seeing things that were beyond his imagination and beyond his very world. And I wish that upon you, TYB, that your eyes may be enlightened as you read this text to see the incredible visions of God that he wants to give you. We are a people that can see visions like this, not just prophets see visions like this. God can give you a vision of your future. And don't be scared of the vision of God. It's going to be beyond your natural mind. Welcome to the book of Revelation. (laughs) After this, and I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. Okay, so we've we've come from earth. The first I was in the spirit, we kind of saw this vision of Jesus and we, we went to the letters of the, the churches. We then are now having another vision. The scene has changed. 
And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. We can feel that this next level of revelation is going to be a heavenly come up here moment. We're no longer on earth. You can imagine the vision and the movie of this vision changing and shifting to coming up to heavenly places. We're going up to God's throne room here. We're going up to see what God's doing. Is he pacing? Is he worried? Is he anxious? Is he biting his nails? Where? What is he doing when all of this stuff is happening? Um, I know some people in relation to your rapture theologies think that the come up here is the rapture, but it's clearly part of the story. Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit. Ding. It's like the Tinkerbell in the Disney books when you had to turn the page. We're about to turn the page. We're change of scene. At once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. Are you like on the edge of your seat? <laughs> Can you imagine this TYB? And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Ruby. He's calling forth the imagery of his time. The most magnificent colors of those times were in gems. I mean, today we were probably LED lighting and all that sort of stuff, but he's calling forth the most magnificent colors of his time. A rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled this throne. Oh, surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. Okay, let me give you a quick um, understanding of numbers again. Seven, completion, perfection. So when it says the seven spirits of God, it doesn't mean we then have seven spirits of God going on. It just means the perfect Holy Spirit. When we have 12 or a derivative or a multiplication of 12, it means governmental authority. Okay, so I have 24 elders, like 12 disciples and 12 tribes. It's governmental authority in Israel. I have 24 elders, meaning I have the double anointing of authority, governmental authority in these in these elders, okay? Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white. White means pure. White, white means holy. When you get closer, um, it's like the image of Isaiah. You know, you're seeing this image. Isaiah saw this Yahweh, this God, and he had a revelation of his holiness, and you're seeing it in this text again. Um, the white... Again, is purity. You're, later in the text, you have the martyrs dressed in white, meaning that they've they've washed themselves in the blood of Jesus, and um, they're pure, pure, um, and had crowns of gold on their heads, meaning royalty, authority. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. This brings up the connotation of Mount Sinai. They know the people listening to this would have gone, oh, this is Yahweh. Why? Because they remember 500 Old Testament allusions into this text. He's bringing up Mount Sinai imagery, the, the rumblings and the thunder of Exodus. And when they were going to the mountain, they were terrified of this Yahweh presence of God. Now, I have heard preaching time and time again, and I'm going to say, if you are listening to me, stop it. <laughs> Flashes of lightning, rumbles, and peals of thunder are a way for the imagery of Sinai to be brought into this text so you know who is seated on this throne because it doesn't say, by the way, this is Yahweh, the one that you were talking about in Mount Sinai in the Old Testament. He, he uses the imagery to show you. But the other thing is it's a literary tool throughout the text to bring pace to the text. So it says here, 
flashes of lightning, rumbles and peals of thunder. And then later when it gets worse on earth, we go back to this throne and it's not just flashes of lightning, rumbles and peals of thunder, but there's large hailstorm stones. And then later on in the text, it's not just flashes of lightning, peals of thunder, large hailstorms, but hailstorms that are so hailstones that are so big. It's a way for John to show you that this this vision paced it got worse. It got more majestic. It got more powerful. Um, sometimes when we when we see end times teaching and they say, "Oh, flashes of lightning, rumbles, peals of thunder, and rumors of wars," that's that's the sign of the times of end times. No, it's just the way that he's pacing the text. And I'm not saying the sign of the end times are not wars and rumors of wars. Since Jesus, there have been wars and rumors of wars. Um, but it's it's not just a sign of the end times. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. Oh, you can imagine it. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. Now, it uses the word sea here, but it's probably more a river of glass. The reason I'm saying river is because sea in this text and in apocalyptic literature is evil and the river of God, that 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 river is always good. There's two sides in everything in this book. And you've got to pick the two sides. There is one side, Father. So throughout the book you have these two sides, these two sides that you need to make sure you're on the right team because we have the Father, we have the Son and the Lamb. He's also the Lamb in the text. And we have the the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. We have the river of God. We have Jerusalem. We have the bride. We have one team, the seal of Christ. And then the other team has the exact representation, the exact parallel. And throughout the text, we're going to point out which team they're on. There's only two teams, the Holy Trinity and all that comes with that, Jerusalem, the promised land, all these imageries. And the unholy Trinity, which we have, is the dragon, the two beasts, the first beast, which is the Antichrist, the second beast, which is the false prophet, paralleling Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but on the wrong side of the team. We have the mark of the beast. We have Babylon. We have the whore rather than the bride. And we've got the sea. Anything that comes out of the sea is evil. Anything that, that, that is in the river or the river of God, like Isaiah saw, is good. So as you're reading these texts, I want you, it's almost like, you know, when you're watching a movie, and when the good guys, they're all dressed in white and all the bad guys are all dressed in black, those old cowboy movies, it's very like that in Revelation. The good guys are all from the presence of God and the lamb and, and the white-robed martyrs and they're all sacrificing their lives and this beautiful um, integrity within all these beautiful essence, the mark of um, the seal of Christ upon them, why are they spiritually unknown. And then on the other side you've got the Antichrist, the beast, okay? So you've got to recognize these two teams. So we are showing you the angels and the demons are on one side, the angels of this team and the sea, this beautiful clear as crystal river. In the center around the throne were four living creatures. Now we wig out at these creatures. Oh, my gosh, what's their eyes? Can I say that God is so above your natural mind? He is so above your natural um, understanding. Don't be shocked when the Bible shows you images. Ezekiel, these are like Ezekiel, the wheel within the wheel. Ezekiel had the, the same apocalyptic vision of something that was beyond his thought, beyond his world. And so we've got the same in Revelation. Remember, come up here. I was in the spirit. Heaven opened. It's not going to look natural to you. I don't know why we get shocked at this. 
um, the first living creature was like a lion, authority. Oh, so good. The second was like an ox, that strength. The third had the face of a man. And the fourth was like a flying eagle. It had that wisdom and prophetic. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. What does it mean? It sees everything. Day and night, they never stop saying. And and what comes out of these mouths, we know if they're good or bad. These angels are good. They are around the throne. They're like the seraphim. And it's so amazing that they don't look like little fat cherubs. They are these incredible beasts, these incredible beings with six wings. I don't know when it came into being that that a, a angel is a big is a fat cherub with two wings. No, the angels are magnificent creatures. Where did you think Tolkien got his imagination from? Where did you think these writers got their imagination from? The King of Kings and Lord of Lords has these incredible beasts. I find it so amazing that people get shocked at Revelation, but they'll watch Lord of the Rings and have no issue. <laughs> I watched Lord of the Rings and I was like, no, nah, you're just copying Revelation. Uh, whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne, this is Yahweh, this is Father God and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worships him um, who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory, honour, power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Now you've got to remember this imagery of how powerful your God is. And I'm talking about the God of Yahweh of the Old Testament. I'm talking about the one that they had to put in a temple because his presence was so strong. I'm talking about that temple curtain that got torn in two and he's out. He is still in heavenly places. Jesus came to earth, got resurrected and ascended back to the heaven. But Father God has remained in heaven the whole time. His presence has been here. But we've got this essence and this imagery here of going to heaven and seeing Father God. Now, by the end of the book, this person seated on the throne, Father God, is residing on earth. What does it mean? In the fall, at the fall, We were separated from the presence of Father God. We couldn't be in his presence because sin separates. We can't be in like Isaiah, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. When I'm in the presence of a holy God, I cannot have that sin. I need atonement. Jesus came that we could have the presence of of God in our lives. We could be reconciled with the Father. We can be reconciled to him and have eternal life. We can go to heaven and hang out with him and be with him. But Revelation shows us the point, and I'm going to get it to it in Revelation 21, guys, the point where this seated on the throne, Father God comes down and resides back on earth like the original intention, walking in the Garden of Eden. The original intention was us to be with this incredible Father God all along. I will explain that. I will keep going, just a seed sown there. Okay, then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides. and see, In other words, he's in charge. He's got the scroll. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth, did you see that? No angel could break those scrolls open. No angel could intercede on behalf of humanity or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll and look inside. John's like so in, I love this. Then one of the elders said to me, don't weep. The lion of the tribe of Judah the root of David, woohoo, it's triumphed. You want to cheer at this point. 
he's able to open the scroll and it's seven seals. Then I saw a lamb. Now, I love this imagery because Jesus doesn't come in this triumphant moment to break open the seals to kind of set in place the end times and what is going to happen. It's this beautiful moment where he comes as the sacrificial lamb. Um, looking, he doesn't come as a lion either. The lion, it says, the lion of the tribe of Judah. But his imagery and his character at this point—not character meaning fictitious—but what you see him as is the lamb. Oh, so good, and it's not just a lamb; it's a lamb that is slain. That was his point of victory when he was the lamb that was slain, and he comes as that point of victory. It's so cool, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders, the lamb. Seven horns, horns mean authority. Don't panic about the the way he's dressed. Seven eyes, don't worry about that. Seven meaning a complete, complete vision, complete authority, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from Father God, from the one seated on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before him. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense of your prayers, PTYB. And they sung, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. Why? Because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people. He can only come as the lamb to take the scroll, to take that from from God. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Oh my gosh, this is just, and I'm halfway through chapter five. You're going to have to continue guys. But this is the moment we've seen Jesus' vision in the, in the beginning. We've now we've seen God and he is magnificent. This is Yahweh. What he is doing is setting you up. These are the visions you're supposed to have in your head the whole time because it's going to get messy. It's going to get crazy. We're going to have all sorts of things happening. We're going to have four horsemen of the apocalypse. We're going to have all sorts of things happening, but you have to have the vision of Christ and the Lamb and the throne of God in your brain no matter what happens. Why? Because they are the one to be praised. The book begins and ends with worship of God. Why? Because that is is what we are to focus on. No matter what happens here on earth, guys, no matter what happens, what you're reading in Revelation, it's going to get hard. How do we keep going? We keep our eyes focused on the throne of God. We worship him. We worship Jesus. Why? Because he came and died so that we could have victory no matter what. And this is what the book of Revelation is saying. No matter what's about to happen, your focus has to be on the throne of God, Yahweh. He is the God, the creator, almighty, alpha and omega, beginning and the end across everything. This incredible vision set you up for the rest of the book. And we are about to jump in to the next chapter. I hope you've loved studying this chapter and we'll see you in the next podcast.